This is Casey Hendrickson on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Don't forget that uh, you can go online, dlive.tv slash Casey the host. You can follow me there. If you're going to watch the live stream, please click on the follow button. Totally free to do that. Helps me out. I don't live stream on YouTube anymore. So if you want to watch the live streams, go ahead and do that. You'll get notifications. Also want to thank R&B Car Company. They're located in South Bend and Warsaw and online at rbcarcompany.com. Something really interesting happened in Aurora, Colorado. I wanted to share it with all of you because um, some people in Aurora, Colorado are, well, they're not real happy with the way the police department has handled a recent situation in September. And I, I can see their point. So there's this standoff. Now on September 24th, there was a call to uh, go to what they're calling a felony child abuse investigation. They said the homeowner, Eric Burns, 39 years old, had a valid misdemeanor, no bond domestic violence warrant out of Denver, Colorado. Now, additionally, the Aurora Police Department believed Burns had assaulted his son and abused his daughter. It sounds like a real piece of work. So the SWAT team was called in and the SWAT team obviously set up their perimeters and they got trained on the house. And, you know, the SWAT team is doing what the SWAT team does. Well, uh, several hours into the, the SWAT standoff with this guy, again, he has a misdemeanor warrant for child abuse. They believe that there were guns in the house, that he was armed, and so that's why SWAT was there. Okay? So after several hours, Burns released his six-year-old daughter. Police negotiators continued trying to get him out of the house, hoping that he would give up. But when that didn't happen... After four hours, so this whole standoff, four hours. Now, he did release his son. They got him to release his six-year-old son. That's good. But four hours into this standoff, a decision was made to pack up and leave. So all of the police, the SWAT team, everybody, they packed up their gear, they got in their vehicles, and they left. They left the guy in the house. They just left him there. Now, the neighbors are obviously <laughs> upset because uh, you got a child abuser who is in the neighborhood and the police come out, SWAT team. They think he's dangerous, right? It's so dangerous that they had the SWAT team there. He's basically holding a six-year-old kid hostage. And then they just decide to leave the guy alone, not bring him into custody, not press the situation or anything else. Um, that's where people are pretty upset. Some of the neighbors are saying that they're, quote, shocked. We thought for sure that they would have arrested somebody. It's quite concerning that they would do that. I saw a headline over the weekend uh, with this story that says the the citizens of Aurora, Colorado now know their police are not looking out for them. Uh, Again, this is not the SWAT team's fault or anything like that. This, This came down from the chain of command to just walk away. Uh, If somebody's got a warrant out for their arrest, why wouldn't they have been arrested, according to one of the neighbors? Now, as it turns out, this is where things get worse. As it turns out, this Burns guy didn't just have 
warrants for misdemeanor child abuse in in uh in denver colorado turns out that he was also wanted for felony kidnapping which was issued by blackhawk police now aurora police said they did not know about that warrant during the standoff but it goes to show that if you've got a situation with somebody and you believe that they're a dangerous individual they're beating children according to the allegations anyway uh, that perhaps there's another place that this individual might have a warrant so this guy is wanted for felony kidnapping and misdemeanor child abuse and don't get me started on why child abuse is only a misdemeanor uh in this situation i don't i don't have the details so again swat team goes out there guys holding a six-year-old kid hostage he's got an arrest warrant for child abuse and he they believe he's a dangerous individual standoff happens get him to release his six-year-old kid which is good then they pack up and leave when he won't come out guys wanted for felony kidnapping now here's the thing the guy took off they can't find him they can't find him anywhere they're still looking for him so they left but they didn't even they didn't even set up surveillance of this guy so when he did leave the house they would be able to track him down they just packed up and left and now this guy who has committed kidnapping and child abuse is out in the wind somewhere the department declined to be interviewed but released a statement saying members of our community and across the nation have made it very clear that they want their police department to respond differently to some incidents particularly when there is a possibility of using serious force against a subject the statement went on to say avoiding unnecessary confrontations was now a top priority for the department so all of the uh, the rioting and the looting and the murdering and the assaulting of individuals out there has officially led to a department policy at least in one place where they're going to let a violent criminal who beats children leave simply because he doesn't have any hostages and they don't want to use force against the guy that's what it's come to now what happens if he kidnaps somebody else and he beats another kid what happens then sometimes this means walking away from a situation and utilizing investigative resources to apprehend a person at a later time yeah but you didn't do that he's gone look i get i get it sometimes when you're in a a high-speed chase and they're going through residential neighborhoods and they're driving erratically you back off because the hope is they slow down they stop running they control the vehicle more they're less likely to hurt somebody else i get that i really do and in this situation from their perspective they got the six-year-old out of the house so now they're faced with a decision we sit there and we wait forever when we have other calls to go to or we go in and we try to apprehend this guy and that might lead to bloodshed so we're just going to pack up and leave and i don't know how they set up um their surveillance afterwards but clearly it wasn't good enough because the guy slipped away and they weren't able to apprehend him and the guy is gone they have no idea where he is no clue uh let's see uh, one of the neighbors craig miller says the the police force the presence there was huge it was massive 
He said after four hours and that kind of police response, you kind of assume that it's ending with them taking somebody into custody. Pretty surprising that after that kind of a response and that kind of action that there wasn't an arrest made. Now, some of the people have mixed feelings about all of this. Oh, they're trying at least. Well, okay. They're trying. Now, I will say this. The Aurora Police Department did not know that he had a felony warrant for kidnapping. All right? They didn't know that. But they did think that he was a dangerous individual. They did know that he's been accused of abusing both of his young children. They did know that he was armed. They did know all of those things. Which makes him a serious risk to the public. And they still chose to back off and let the guy get away. Now, how do you feel about that? We've got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Tuning in, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Don't forget, you can watch us live right now at dlive.tv slash CaseyTheHost. And if you go there and you're watching for free, would you do me a big favor and just hit the follow button? That means that means a lot. Plus, you'll get notifications. You download the DLive app uh, if you want to. But you'll get notifications anytime I go live and you'll have an idea of when I'm live streaming, whether I'm... I'm uh, doing my free live stream at 2 o'clock on Mondays, or I'm doing the radio show live stream like we're doing right now, or I'm streaming uh, Rocket League or whatever else I end up doing on DLive. But again, totally free. Please go do that. DLive.tv slash Casey the host. For the first time since 2004, this is more information that things are not as great for Democrats as some would like you to believe. For the first time since 2004, more Americans identify with the GOP than the Democrats. This is a new Gallup poll. Uh, let's see. Back in January of 2004, Republicans held an advantage of 33 to 31, uh, which is it's been the exact opposite of that really since 2004. Um, what else do we have here? All right, so let's take a look. So you go back to 2004. It was 3437 uh, Dems. So again, 2004 is the last time um, that we, we had the Republicans leading. And then after 2004, you had Democrats. Uh, then it was 3529 Dems in 2006, 3433 in 2008, 3229 in 2010, 3530 in 2012, 3226 in 2014. 3227 in 2016, 3529 in 2018, and now it is 2827 GOP. So for the first time since 2004, uh, we have uh, more Americans identifying as Republicans than Democrats, according to Gallup. Uh, it's pretty close. I mean, we're still margin of error, but uh, still something to uh, to grasp onto if you are a Republican. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, up until this weekend, Democratic victory narrative has been this. Dems will outperform in early and mail-in voting. 
Republicans, leerier to mail-in voting, will opt for in-person voting and will outperform on election day. Now, I have told you for a couple of months now, I actually think mail-in voting benefits Trump. Uh, I don't agree with it. I think that there is some serious security problems there. I think that we are going to have millions of ballots that are going to be invalidated. And some of that is probably going to be due to innocent little mistakes where those folks who would have had somebody help them out if they were at a polling location uh, will have their ballot simply thrown in the trash and not counted now. Obviously, fraud is certainly more likely to happen uh, with uh, with mail-in ballots versus in-person voting. So, but I still think that it's going to be better for Trump than a lot of Republicans and most Democrats think. I really do. However, in the end, the in-person voting will not be enough to overcome the massive early voting numbers by the Democrats. And that has been the narrative over the past several weeks. Politico's lead story today contains this revealing quote about numerous anxiety-ridden memos in Democratic offices. Michigan is chief among Democrat worries with 25% of the total vote in compared to 2016. Republicans have a slim advantage in Texas. Republicans shatter early voting expectations and it appears a blue Texas is gone. They always say Texas is going to go blue and they haven't come close yet. It's just, it's just one of those things that until that changes, that's, that's where we're at. Uh, Democratic operatives on Twitter. I don't understand how Dems are doing worse than 2016 in Texas in terms of early voting. Something is up. Oh, so now you got Democrats out there oh, passing uh, passing on to their followers. Something's amiss. We may have some fraud. <laughs> uh, look, I, I look at this stuff. And once again, I'm just, I'm kind of watching it break the way that we had kind of predicted it would break a little bit. Uh, it's still way too early to tell. Um, and I think that this, I think that this election is a little bit more difficult to analyze just because we're in a totally unique situation. It's not your typical election cycle. Campaigning is different. Uh, everything is just a little off, right? So even your normal models that you look at that would typically be predictors of this stuff. Even that stuff is just, you doubt it a little bit, right? Just because everything, you got a pandemic, you've got no door to door stuff. The campaigning is limited. Everything is just a little strange and a little weird. Uh, but yeah, you have this, I, I've, I've been telling you over the past couple of weeks now in the battleground States, the Republicans are winning that battle. And, you would be forced to believe that the Republicans in these battleground states, which are doing so well, and the the Republican um, the Republicans winning the voter registration battle in many of these battleground states, that somehow that's going to benefit Republican. Well, first of all, if you think that that's not going to benefit Republicans, you're an amateur, and you probably need to not discuss this and just kind of sit back and, and listen. It's obviously going to benefit Republicans. Republicans are out-registering Democrats in these battleground states. Um, in, 20, in, in 2016, the Republicans had over 300,000 registered uh, voter disadvantage to the Democrats. And that's been, I think, uh, I think that's been halved. 
I mean, they've erased that deficit. Um, the polling in Miami-Dade for Biden is really bad. And Miami-Dade is blue. And I think that he's still going to win Miami-Dade. But voting in Miami-Dade, that's where the Democrats get their votes. And if Miami-Dade, if, if they're not going to break heavily for Joe Biden, it puts Florida in question. Trump's up in Ohio. He's up in Michigan. He's up in Pennsylvania. He may be up in Nevada. I, he's up in Wisconsin. This is... It's not looking very good. Not for the Democrats, anyway. But again, it's a totally different election cycle. Who knows how this thing's going to break? Hey, we've got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw, and you can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. All right, uh, let's take a look at some of the... Well, okay, you know what? Before I get into this, before I get into the town hall that's going to be happening this uh, this Wednesday, I just, I want to... This is just a personal thing for me because I absolutely love this place. So I've talked about them before, and some of you, um, you were very praising of my compliments of this particular local establishment. Uh, others had not tried them before, and I heard that many of you went and tried them. And word got back to me from the owner of the business who I had never met before, okay? Well, at least not in a personal context. I'd seen her in the in the uh the building but i'd never actually met her and she came up to to me at, at another event and had thanked me for mentioning her business on the show and a lot of you who had never had vanilla before in elkhart uh wrote me back and said that i was right the place was amazing absolutely phenomenal this is the best ice cream that i have had locally and there's a lot of really good ice cream places locally i'm not trying to trash anybody or anything like that but i love the vanilla bean uh, i think that their ice cream is awesome i think the ambiance of the building is awesome i think their location in downtown elkhart is awesome just the building the, d the decor and you can't you cannot beat their ice cream it is so good and I mentioned it on the show one day because as things happen, we start talking about various things local. Uh, and I have another business to let you all know about as well because I finally got to try something over the weekend that many of you have been telling me for a couple of years now that I should try and I hadn't done it yet. Um, but the Vanilla Bean Creamery in Elkhart is, if you ask me, the place to go for ice cream. It is just amazing stuff. And she ended up coming out to an event that I was at and thanked me for mentioning her business because several listeners had gone in and uh, said that they heard about it for the first time on my show. And that's great. I have some really good news. Uh, so um, looking in the uh, the Tribune here, was it over the weekend? When did this get published? So yeah, the 16th. All right, so Friday. Uh, Marshall King, who's also um, a pretty decent dude, and we disagree on a lot, but he's, but he's a nice guy. We always get along when we're at an event together. But uh, Marshall King wrote an article, Popular Vanilla Bean Creamery Adding Granger Location. I am stoked for these, these women because this is, first of all, this is a phenomenal business. And the product is just top notch. 
and I've had a lot of you say that you want to try it, but you don't want to drive all the way up to Elkhart to get it. Well, now you won't have to, okay? They're going to open a location in Granger. I wanted to take a moment. I wanted to congratulate them for doing that because I honestly, it, it is so, so deserving for them to have a second location and to be able to do that. I have gone there dead of winter, snow outside, and that place has got steady, steady customer flow. It's just that good. I like ice cream in the cold. Um, I know that other people don't, but I really do. So I appreciate an ice cream joint that stays open. They have other stuff as well for, for you know that, that'll warm you up. But so they're going to be opening a location in Granger. So I'll put the article in the Daily Show Prep. Uh, that way you can get all the details on it. I don't want to read the entire thing for you now, but uh, the article got published on Friday that they're opening that second Granger location. Uh, so you have one in Elkhart, you'll have one in Granger now, and you'll be able to kind of get best of both worlds. Um, at least for most of you. Then you have, sorry, there's apparently a giant catastrophe happening above me with my daughters who are very hyper right now. Uh, but then one of the other things that I have been told on a, on a repetitive basis, and it came up again, I think it came up at the beginning of last week on the live stream, the flipping cow. Casey, have you tried the flipping cow yet? No, I haven't. But I've been told for a long time that I needed to. I hadn't. I didn't know exactly where it was. I never really looked for it. That's what, but I'd been told for a long time that I had to try. And it came up, I swear it came up like the beginning of the week last week on the live stream. And I put it out there. I said, I said, is it really that good? And I had a ton of people on the live stream respond that it really was that good. Um, there's a certain type of place that I really enjoy for my, my neighborhood place. The place that I go to on a regular basis, it's my go-to. I could eat lunch there every day, that type of thing. It's my local bar, whatever it is. There's a lot of places that I like to go, but I won't go there all the time. The Flippin' Cow is the place that I will go to all the time. That is now officially <laughs> one of one of my one of my places. When I want to go to the bar, that's probably where I'm going to go. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, went there for my wife's birthday. And we we weren't able to celebrate on her birthday because of noise. So we went the day after, had a little date night. Um, amazing drinks, great customer service. Absolutely love the atmosphere there. They have shuffleboard. Well, I don't know that I've talked about this. I'm a big shuffleboard guy. I haven't played in years, but there was a time where before we had kids, that was our weekend activity. We did shuffleboard tournaments. Absolutely love it. So they've got a shuffleboard table in there, regulation size table too. Uh, just really enjoyed it right there on on Simonson Lake. And um, I want to thank all of you for recommending it because that place was awesome too. So two good things. Finally got to Trident Cow, loved it. And Vanilla Bean, who I also love, opening a second location. So some good news. Um, well, at least one of the stories is good. <laughs> not, I mean, I'm not that conceited that it's, oh, it's good news that I love the flipping cow. Um, <laughs> but good news for the vanilla bean. Congratulations. And they, they totally deserve it. And thank you to all of you for recommending the flipping cow to me because I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it and will be a regular over there. We've got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Get 
afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. A little bit later on in the show, a police chief was fired because his wife supports Trump. And we're learning a little bit more about the mayor who fired him. And a Chinese dissident actually predicted the Hunter Biden laptop leak back in September. We'll talk about those and more coming up on 95.3 MNC. In the meantime, as Joe Biden is once again retreating from the campaign trail to prepare for the upcoming debate, uh, President Trump is going to hold a town hall on Wednesday, and he's going to do it with a pro-Trump moderator. Now, first of all, can I just golf clap? Because this should have happened a long time ago. If we are going to have a parade of anti-Trump debate moderators... And then we're not going to have the campaigns come together and have a joint town hall, okay? And we're going to have one pro-Biden guy doing Biden, one anti-Trump lady doing Trump. We need to have something that, excuse me, that balances that just a little bit. And so Trump is going to have a town hall on Wednesday, and it's going to be with former Fox News host Eric Bowling who is, boy, I, I, I miss I miss Eric Bowling. Um, I know he still does stuff, but uh, he is one of my favorites. He always has been. Super, super nice guy in real life as well. Uh, I know his family went through some real difficult times, but um, he is going to be the, the moderator, if you will. So Trump will finally have the ability to do a town hall, like a real town hall, without having to fight the moderator because he's not supposed to be fighting the moderator. The moderator in a town hall isn't even really supposed to be there. It's not like a debate moderator. A debate moderator is supposed to, you know, pick, poke, prod, but generally speaking, it's supposed to be one candidate versus the other candidate. With a town hall, the moderator is basically a glorified mic passer. That's really all they are. Uh, they're not supposed to... Samantha Guthrie did everything wrong. Let's just put it that way. Everything wrong. You're not supposed to be fighting with the candidate. That was an interview that wasn't a town hall. And it wasn't even a real interview. It was, just, it was a shouting match. And there's a bunch of stuff that she said that wasn't true. Uh, I did find it really funny when Guthrie was out there going, you're the president. You're not supposed to be retweeting conspiracy theories. Because if you go to her Twitter timeline, here she is retweeting unverified, invalidated conspiracy theories about him, his entire presidency. But I digress. So Eric Bowling is going to be the moderator for Trump's town hall on Wednesday. So here's the story uh, from Jim Hoft over at Gateway Pundit. Uh, President Donald Trump will hold a town hall on Wednesday with former Fox News host Eric Bowling. This will be President Trump's first town hall where he will not have to argue with a far left moderator. In the past two weeks, Trump has held a debate and a town hall with um, <laughs> colorful language, Chris Wallace, and Ak Savannah Guthrie. Uh, Wallace used his time as moderator to lie to the American people about the violence on U.S. streets every night of the week. True. Uh, I think that Wallace needs to be fired. I'm generally not that guy, but the moment that Wallace blamed Trump for the the potential outbreak of the virus at the debate when we now know that 11 people who worked on that debate were infected with the virus. And again, that's the Cleveland Clinic screwed up. The Cleveland Clinic, one of the most prestigious institutions in the U.S., screwed up. And they can run around and say everybody who was in that debate hall tested negative all they want. 
The fact of the matter is, contact tracing showed 11 people who worked on that debate were positive. So if those people were positive and they infected surfaces or the air or something, and then that's what caused people to get sick there, that's on them. But Chris Wallace went out there and basically said it was Trump who brought the virus in there, and that was wrong. That was 100% wrong of him to do. He never should have said anything like that, but he did. So this Wednesday is going to be interesting. So we'll finally have something we get to cover where the president actually gets to answer questions instead of constantly having to debate and fight, which will be nice. Uh, I think the American people need to see something like that because the president's a counterpuncher. He always has been. Uh, and he's an aggressive counterpuncher. There's no doubt about that. But he's also a, a very nice guy in real life. And you know, he said, yeah, from Vegas, had some run-ins with him. I think I interviewed him once way back in, in the day. Um, but we always had stories about him in the community. And Donald Trump was, again, he was just, he's just always a nice guy. Everybody always described him as that. Egotistical, sure, absolutely. But I also, I, I'm, I'm in the media. Um, and I, you've heard me say this a million times. You can't be in the media without an ego. And I inflate my ego just so I could keep up with everybody around me. I really don't have that big of an ego, but I have one. Um, and most of the people in this business have one. You have to. Uh, it's like being an elite athlete. You have to have an ego to be an elite athlete. If you don't, you're probably not going to become an elite athlete. So for me, having an ego in entertainment doesn't mean much because it's it's the norm, but he certainly does have one. And he's always been acknowledged as having one, but he's always been a nice guy. Everybody's always liked him. So you get, you get the president in a position where, you know, he's going to be answering questions from the public, which is what a town hall is supposed to be about answering questions from the public. Uh, hopefully, hopefully questions that are not written by, by a Trump speechwriter. <laughs> that would be nice. Like the Biden questions were, uh, that would be good, you know, m maybe not lie about who some of the people asking those questions are, saying that they're undecided voters when in fact they're prominent members of the Democratic Party, which happens every single town hall that we have every single election with the Democrats. Uh, but he'll be in a position to answer those actual questions where he's not constantly having to fight, but he'll just be able to talk with people because that's where he's at his best. Uh, so it'll it'll be interesting to see that. And I'll actually actually be very intrigued by how that's going to play out. But Eric Bowling is also um, he's a bit of a no nonsense, honest guy, but he's also a nice guy as well. So this should be really, really good for the American undecideds to be able to see the president in his natural environment as he naturally is, as opposed to constantly, you know, dodging punches and throwing them back because he's being attacked. So I look forward to that on Wednesday. I really do. Uh, so again, I'll put this in the daily show prep if you want to take a look at it. Um, and this is uh, Sinclair uh, Broadcasting is going to be putting that on. So uh, also uh, Republican company. So be very interesting to see that. All right. We are broadcasting live at dlive.tv slash Casey, the host dlive.tv slash Casey, the host. If you're watching right now and you haven't, please hit that follow button. More coming up. 95.3 MNC.